Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Let's give him another hand. What an awesome song. One of my favorite songs. I'm alive because he lives. I love it so much. It's like it's in my workout playlist, you know what I'm saying? So get a little bit of lifting, a little bit of worshiping. It's all good. Both are good for you. I want to welcome those who are watching online and those who are maybe tuned in a little later. I believe that God's going to speak a word to you. I believe that this is a message that is going to meet you right where you're at. Uh, we're excited to kick off this Holy Week, this Passion Week. And we're going to be talking about this event on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. So if you have your Bibles... Turn with me to two places. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, and then Luke 19. So Matthew 21 and Luke 19. And while you're turning there, uh, I want to celebrate and just expound a little bit on what Pastor Jeff talked about, what's happening uh, with our young people, show you a, a, a picture collage of kind of what's happening. And it's amazing to see a thousand students gather in this auditorium to come and to worship a living God. And you know, that's a testament to, to you and to uh, everyone at, the, at Milestone Church because we're not, a, we're not a church of young people. We're not a church of old people. We're not a church of people in the middle. We're just a church of people, right? We just wanna come and worship God and love God. And thank you so much for your generosity. Um, you know, your, your willingness and gener generous gifts each and every week. They help us to reach all these young people. I mean, somebody's got to pay for the, the hamburgers and stuff like that, you know. Uh, no, but uh, really, we're, we're seeing such a response from students. We're sending buses to one middle school and busing in 100 kids on Wednesday night just from one middle school and uh, seeing kids come to know Jesus 30, 40, 50 at a time each and every week. It's amazing to see what God's doing. So thank you for being a generous church. And that's just a privilege and a joy. And we're so grateful for our pastors and their leadership, uh, it, just helping us to be able to continue reaching those coming behind us. Well, um, I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, and so I wouldn't be a good Cajun uh, if I didn't you know, give a shout out to all my friends and family who are excited about Lent ending because they can eat meat again. And uh, so Lent will end, I believe it's on Thursday. And um, you know, so I, I figured this morning I'd kick us off with a little Boudreaux joke, if, if that's okay. It's better than an Aggie joke, it's a Boudreaux joke, um, and it's all about Lent, so it's right where we're at, so just sit back, relax, and enjoy, and uh, hopefully this will minister to you in a powerful way. <laughs> but Boudreaux, he was a, a Cajun man uh, from the highlands of Rapids Parish in central Louisiana, grew up a good Baptist boy, and uh, he moved down to south Louisiana. And uh, every Friday night, Boudreaux had a routine, and what he would like to do is he would go in his backyard, and he'd fire up that old grill, and he'd get a venison steak, and he'd cook that steak, and he'd love to sit there and partake of that. And, and you know, most of his friends in South Louisiana are Catholics, and, and everything was good, and, and sometimes they would come over and hang out with Boudreaux on, on a Friday night, but, but during Lent, it created a problem, because they're trying to abstain from meat but yet he would be cooking and filling the neighborhood with this venison steak smell. And so they finally, they called the priest. The priest shows up and talks to Boudreaux and says, Boudreaux, you can't do this. He's like, all these people are gonna stumble, they're gonna fall into sin. Boudreaux, what you need to do is, you need to become a Catholic. Boudreaux said, oh, I don't know. He said, trust me, you need to become a Catholic. So Boudreaux, he went and he studied, took the classes. He even went to a mass and the priest got some holy water 
And he sprinkled it on it and said, you was born a Baptist, you was raised a Baptist, now you a Catholic. Boudreaux said, okay. Everybody thought it's all good. And so they enjoyed peace in the neighborhood until Friday night came around and oh, there's Boudreaux, he's in the backyard, he fired up that grill again. They couldn't take it. So they call up the priest. Now the priest shows up and he's got his rosary beads in his hands. He runs in the backyard. He's about to scold old Boudreaux. And then he stops with amazement and he watches what happens. And Boudreaux's standing over his grill. He's got a bottle of water and he's carefully sprinkling it on this venison steak. And he says, you was born a deer. You was raised a deer. Now you a fish. So... Lent's about to be over and all the good Cajuns can have some venison steak. We're going to look at the triumphal entry this morning and it's found in all four Gospels. And um, this is the start of Jesus going to the cross and this is an ex- a significant event in the life of Jesus. And there are 89 chapters in the four Gospels if you add them up together, 89 chapters. And only four of them cover the first 30 years of Jesus' life. So there are 85 chapters that cover the last three and a half years of Jesus' life. And out of those 85 chapters, 25 of them cover this very week that we're going into, Holy Week or Passion Week. So God and the writers really wanted us to really pay attention and focus in on, on this week and the significance of it. And so what I would like to do this morning is read the story, the event that actually happened in Matthew chapter 21. I wanna give us some cultural and historical context and, and, and prophetic insight as to what was going on. And then we're gonna talk at the end about some ways that that practically can be applied and related to our life. So before we get into the scriptures, let's just pray this morning. Father, we come to you. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us by your spirit, through your word, that you would give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm reading out of the NIV, starting in verse one of chapter 21 in Matthew. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. We know it's the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on the colt of a foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and they did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees of palm and spread them on the road. Now the crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so as we see this story, this is Jesus's coming out party. This is Jesus making his official announcement 
of who he is. Up until this point, when we read the Gospels, we see that every time Jesus touched someone or healed someone, he would always tell them, don't you know, go and tell everyone you know, what happened to you, just kind of keep it to yourself. But now the moment has come. The time has arrived for Jesus to declare that he is the Messiah, he's the King, he's the Lord, and he is here to fulfill what God spoke to the prophets of old. Now what's significant also about this event is the timing of it. The timing is amazing because Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the 10th day of Nisan. And that's not the car, that's the Jewish month. And so on the 10th day of Nisan, Jesus comes in and what's significant about that was that was the exact day as the people were in Jerusalem for the Passover festival that they would be choosing the sacrificial lamb that they would sacrifice on the 14th. And as a family, you would get together, you would pick out a lamb, you would, you would go over it uh, for several days, making sure there was no defect, and then it would be sacrificed. So Jesus comes in on the very day they're selecting the lambs for their family, and he presents himself as the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. So he comes in to establish that. Well, I'm, as I'm reading this, you, you, maybe you've thought this, what about the donkey? Like, what's so significant about the donkey? Shouldn't he have come in on like a war stallion, like Air Horse One or something like that? You know, what's the deal with this donkey? Why such a meek and lowly animal? And, well, historically and customarily at that time, a king would come into uh, a city with a procession when it was times of peace or right after a major victory in a war. So Jesus was coming in on this donkey and he was speaking to the Roman authorities who were there because they would have recognized, because this happened twice in the Old Testament, once with King Jehu and once with King Solomon. And so it was a customary thing. And so Jesus was saying to the Romans, there's another king and another kingdom at work. But he was also speaking to the Jewish people and he was saying, I am the chosen one. I am the Messiah. Because all of their history and all of their teachings had pointed to this moment where Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, he would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. So it was, a, it was a, an, a, an act of peace and victory and humility. And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, rides into Jerusalem. But also in the story, we see that people were, were waving palm branches and were shouting, Hosanna. And the palm branches represent victory and better days. And Hosanna means God save us now. So the people were stirred because they believed at that time that Jesus was coming in to overthrow the government and he was going to set in a new kingdom in place. So Matthew tells us what happened, but Luke tells us what Jesus Said So Luke 19, let's read that together and then we'll see how this relates to us. Luke 19, verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you up on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You know, as I was thinking about this moment and about this week and the significance of what Jesus did, the significance of what it means for us to be able to gather together and worship and, and sing these songs and be able to come and, and, and freely express our love to God. I was reading this story and I was thinking, man, Lord, there's so much in this story that just is beyond cultural and historical content. There's such rich, practical, just principles and truths. I was thinking about you and I was praying for you. And I was thinking, you know what? There's some things in here that I really wanna share this week that I know have been impactful in my own life and how I relate to God and how he relates to me. But I, I want that to be your experience as well. That this isn't just some story and some historical thing, but this is a real relationship that God wants us to enter into. So three things this morning that I believe we can pull from this story, this event, and bring it into our lives today and how it applies to us. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. As I read the story, I see that Jesus is more appealing than religion. Jesus is more appealing than religion. And in this story, we, we, we see that people, they, they took the same routes every year. They had to make a pilgrimage to this festival. So they came and they offered the same sacrifices, took the same routes, said the same prayers, did the same thing. It was a religious duty. It was a religious system. But as we know, religion doesn't really fulfill the heart and soul and the void that we have as human beings. Religion is conformity. And we see that Jesus came to do away with the old religious system and bring us in to a relationship. As you read the story, you see that it's not just a bunch of random events and all of a sudden Jesus ends up riding a donkey into Jerusalem. It starts off with Jesus encountering one of his friends that passed away, Lazarus. And Jesus, after Lazarus being dead for a few days, prays for him and he comes back to life. And there was a crowd there that saw this. So they're following Jesus. I don't know about you, but if like, you know, somebody that I know just raised someone from the dead, I might be walking around going, I don't know what you got on you, but I might want some of it. And so they're following Jesus and Jesus is with Lazarus. He has a meal with them. And then Jesus is on his way to this moment, to the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And then he runs into a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was kind of, a, he was a mobster, he was a tax collector, you know, and so he, he kind of dealed in the black market and, and, and he was up in this tree and Jesus brought salvation to this man who a lot of people thought was way too far gone. And after that, the crowds are following Jesus and we pick up the story with blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that he was sitting by the road and he couldn't see, but he could hear. And he heard a commotion and there was a lot of people walking by and he's like, what's going on? And they said, it's Jesus. He's coming into Jerusalem and he begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. This is the first time that that title's used to Jesus's life. 
And so it's this Davidic and Mosaic title. And so in this moment, where did this crowd come from that we read? It comes from Jesus impacting people's lives because he's not about religion. It's fresh, it's new, it's real. And they're following him into Jerusalem. They're following him into new life. And, and I, I don't know but, uh, about you if you have had the opportunity to maybe go um, to different, different places and experience different things. But, you know, for me, I believe that religion emphasizes the outward, but Jesus, he emphasizes the inward, what's going on on the heart. Uh, religion is all about what you can't do, but Jesus is all about what you get to do. Amen? Religion puts up barriers and walls and keeps us at a distance, but Jesus He came to tear down walls so that you and I could be close to the Father through him. Religion says you have to work your way to God. Stop doing a bunch of things, start doing a bunch of these things, and then you can have a relationship with God. But Jesus says, I am the way to God. I believe one of the reasons we're we're seeing so many young people come here on a Wednesday night and find freedom and hope in Jesus is because we're not offering them religion. We're not offering them some, some customs or some duties that they have to do. It's a relationship. Interesting story about you know, one of the kids who was on the bus, uh, the hundred that came to Elevate is a, a, a friend invited this guy and uh, hey, come to Elevate. We're starting our super series. And he's like, man, I, I don't believe in God. He's like, I don't do that whole church thing. And so he's like, don't ask me again. And then the next day the kid comes back and he asks him, he says, I thought I told you. Like, I'm not into that God stuff. I'm not into religion. I don't want none of that. Until all of that kid's friends were saying that they were going to get on the bus because they were going to have a free ride to Elevate and pizza, and they were coming. And so the kid's like, all right, I mean, you know, peer pressure kind of works sometimes in your favor. So this kid who said he was an atheist, I don't want none of that Jesus stuff, none of that God stuff. He shows up on a Wednesday night, and his first night to church comes to the front and gives his life to Jesus. Surrenders his heart to God. Why? Because Jesus is not about religion. He is about relationship. God loves everyone exactly where they are. No one is too far gone. No one has a past that is too big. No one who has sin stacked up too high that he can't deal with because the cross dealt with it once and for all. Come as you are and Jesus will come into your life. He'll change you from the inside out. The second truth I see in this story is peace is a lot closer than we actually think. Peace is a lot closer than we think. In the middle of this procession, as Jesus is going into Jerusalem, comes down from the Mount of Olives, and everyone would have looked up and saw him, and he sees Jerusalem. And as he makes his way, and he turns his cor- uh, the corner, and he sees Jerusalem, the Bible says that he begins to weep. And this isn't just some casual, you know, tears that are rolling down Jesus' face. He's really sobbing. He's weeping. He's moved with compassion. His heart is breaking. And the Bible says it's because they did not know the things that would bring them peace. Here is the Prince of Peace. 
not just the Lamb of God, not just the Savior of the world, but the Prince of Peace riding into Jerusalem, and they don't even recognize that peace is not something you reach for. Peace is a person, and he's right there in front of them. How many times do we know people are hear stories, people have things that are missing inside of them and they, and they want peace. I, I, I know for me, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world and you know, you go to different places and you think, how am I gonna be able to relate? How am I gonna be able to connect? A few years back, we went on a mission trip to Honduras and they said, hey, we want you to preach this crusade. And I'm like, okay, sweet, you know, maybe a few hundred people. And there's like, no, there'll be 50,000 people there. I'm like, do what? 50,000 people and I'm preparing a message and I'm thinking, how am I gonna relate? I don't speak the language. I've got a translator, so I gotta be in sync with that guy. And, and you know, I mean, I don't know the cultural differences and, and what's going on, but as I got there, here's what I noticed. You can go anywhere in the world and there's a lot of differences in their culture and their language and their customs, but there's one thing that's universal anywhere you go is people are longing for peace. People are longing for peace, and that peace, his name is Jesus. And I remember the first time that I really experienced peace in my own heart. I was 19 years old and was suicidal, didn't really, you know, know what I wanted to do with my life, was broken, in and out of relationships, and at that time, I thought I might be facing 13 years in a federal prison, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. My friends were going off and they were going to college and declaring what they were going to major in. And I was, I was majoring in sleeping on people's couches and that kind of thing. And just had no vision for my life. And in a moment of darkness when I didn't really see that there was, you know, a reason to, you know, wake up the next morning um, in an attempt to end my life, Jesus showed up. He showed up in my room. His presence showed up in a very real and personal way. And it was because of this fact that even in my darkest moment, when I thought that God was so far, when I thought that God was so distant, when I thought that, man, I've blown it, I've sinned way too much, I've hurt way too many people, I've done too many bad things, there's no way that God could do anything with this life. Peace was right there within reach. All I had to do was call out to the name of Jesus and the Prince of Peace came and he flooded my soul and he filled me with life. So now I get emotional when I talk about what he did in my life. I'm 42 years old, but if I close my eyes, I'm right there in that moment as a 19 year old kid, broken and hurting, but peace was right there at hand. Maybe you're watching online or Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I need peace in my heart. Let me tell you, peace is not an accomplishment that you reach for one day. Peace is not, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. Peace is not, you know, diving into some hobby and spending all your money on some hobby and getting lost in that. Peace is found in a person. It's not found in the bottom of a bottle. It's not found in a pill. It's not found in some substance. It's found in Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says that he himself, he is our peace. That Jesus is our peace. He's here, ready and available 
to be with us. Everyone can have a moment with Jesus. That's the third thing I see in this text. Jesus wanted to have a moment with them. And one of the reasons why he was weeping and he was crying because everything in their history, from the prophet Daniel to the prophet Zechariah, I mean, can you imagine as a Jewish person, ever since you were old enough to, to, to hear, to walk, been talking about this moment, they've been talking about the Messiah that would come, They've been talking about Israel being redeemed and now is the time and now is the moment where their king rides in their midst and there's 10,000 people, tens of thousands of people there and they don't really understand the moment of what's happening. They think that he's going to overthrow some oppressive government, but they don't even realize it's bigger than that. It's greater than that. It's grander than that. It's a kingdom that has now come to earth to establish something new and better, not a religious system, but they fail to recognize the moment of their visitation that he came to be with them. I tell our young people, I tell our team, I'm like, listen, we can say what's happening with our student ministry, whatever, oh, that's cute, that's great, that's awesome, a token hand clap, and we can miss the moment that we're in. We can miss the moment because I believe we're stewarding a moment that God has given us. Listen, it's not about the harvest. It's not about that, it's about laborers. Jesus is always ready to seek and to save the lost. He's just trying to get us in line with what he wants us to do so that he can use us to reach people. This thing is not very difficult. It's very simple. Look and see where God is working and join him. People are responding over here, send help there. There's a harvest that needs to be reaped there, send people there. God does the heavy lifting. All we have to do is just get in line and walk in what he's called us to do. Be his hands and be his feet. But everyone can have a moment with Jesus. I pray that for every person coming next week, starting Wednesday night, I pray that everything, every person that comes is gonna have a moment with God. And here's what's gonna happen. Let me just paint the picture for you. Here's what'll happen start Wednesday night. People are gonna come. People are already getting pressured right now. People are already thinking about what they're gonna wear. Moms are already strategizing about the dresses and the bows and the pictures and all that kind of stuff. People are already right now arguing about where they're gonna go eat the, you know, the Christmas ham, I mean the Easter ham and, and, and where they're gonna celebrate and are they gonna have an Easter egg hunt. People are already talking about that. What church they're gonna go to. There's a lot of people who hadn't been to church in a long time. And they're feeling anxious. They're feel, feeling nervous because they know their family expects them to go. Or maybe there's a coworker that invited them. Maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a person, a friend in the neighborhood or somebody they know that invited them. They're thinking about their past. They're thinking about their present. They're thinking about their current condition. And they're like, man, the church is gonna fall in when I walk in there. I'm not good enough to walk in there. And condemnation is just speaking to him. But here's what's gonna happen. Hundreds and hundreds of people, in fact, thousands of people are gonna show up on this property starting this coming Wednesday. And people are gonna be anxious and nervous, far from God, and they're gonna come in here and they're gonna have walls up, but what's gonna happen is the Spirit of God is gonna begin to move and begin to soften their hearts, and their hearts are gonna be open, and they're gonna have a moment with Jesus that's gonna change their life forever. And not just their life, it's gonna change their future family's life. There's generational implications that happen. But here's the question. Will it be your neighbor? Will it be your coworker? 
Will it be the person that you know down the street? Will it be someone that you run into at Starbucks with that kindness card and invite? Will it be a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant where you go this week and, and you eat lunch or you eat a meal and then you, you leave a generous tip and you leave in that? Will it be that person? Because one invite can change a life. And when someone gets in a moment with Jesus and not religion, I'm telling you, life change is bound to happen. The good news is that there's no one too far from God. So if you're already thinking about that cousin or that friend or that neighbor or that coworker going, they'll never accept Jesus. They'll never come to know him. Think about that atheist kid just last week. I said, I'll never step foot in a church. Don't invite me. I'm not into religion. I don't need that God stuff. But he came and he sensed something different. Listen, when the presence of God shows up, you feel something inside that you just cannot sometimes, you can't explain it. But you were created to feel that. You were created to be in relation. And so the walls fall down. And you're just going, I don't know what this is, but if this is who Jesus is, I want some of that. And the reason I gave my life to Jesus wasn't because I heard a sermon, wasn't because of some religious system. It was because I experienced something so real and so genuine. How could I ever walk away from that kind of love? It would be impossible and ridiculous for me to walk away from that moment and be the same. I am forever changed because he loved me so much and he loved you so much and your neighbors so much and the people in this community that he went with a bounty on his head with an arrest warrant at hand and he rode into Jerusalem and he was facing the cross and he said, there worth it. This is the only way and they're worth it. And I'm telling you, there's still power in the cross today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. God, we thank you that you didn't shy away. You didn't duck and dodge, Jesus. You had a date with destiny, the cross, Calvary's cross. And you went there willingly because there was no other way. The price had to be paid. And God, you went joyfully into that moment, facing a great ordeal of pain and torment. But you did it joyfully, the Bible says, because you had each and every one of us on your mind. Lord, we thank you so much. You died not to give us religion, but you died to give us relationship and to give us freedom. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 